0: Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation.
1: It boggles the mind to think what God might do in this decade that we're entering. It could certainly be the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you believe that? Man, it could be any moment. But as we've been announcing for the past couple of months, uh, we decided to make a change in the way we start our, our new year. You know, we used to begin with the month of January as Missions Awareness Month. Uh, we're moving that back to, uh, to March. And my reason for doing that was I decided it would just be great to begin our new year, bring in that new year with a focus on prayer. And, and even more specifically, prayer and fasting we decided that we're going to usher in this new decade with prayer and fasting. In fact, three days of prayer and fasting. And then this coming Wednesday night, we'll all gather back together up in the Family Life Center for a soup potluck. We have to kind of ease back into things. And, uh, you know, some of you may wonder, well, I understand prayer, but, you know, why fasting? And my answer is, to that is that we're living, I believe, absolutely, we're living in the last days, and the last days are going to be the most difficult and challenging days in the history of mankind. It's not to say they're not exciting for the believer, but they are going to be challenging and they'll be difficult days. I think that for most Christians, we'll be facing situations, or maybe you're currently facing a situation that is going to require more than just your prayers. And some people may find that statement a little shocking. Well, certainly my prayer should be enough, shouldn't it? Well, according to God's word, not all the time. And I want to begin this morning, uh, this message on fasting, by sharing this story from Matthew, the 17th chapter, in which Jesus and uh, he, Peter, James, and John, were coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. His, the other disciples had stayed down below. And as they get down there, they, they're confronted by the other disciples, and, and they have got a problem. And their problem was there was this young boy that was demon-possessed, and the disciples had been praying and praying fervently for him, and they had seen zero results. And so they tell Jesus you know, that this boy is... Possessed, we've been praying and praying, nothing has happened. Jesus walks over, prays for the young boy, and immediately the demon is cast out of him. And the disciples are just a little bit confused because they they told him, well, you know, we've been praying and praying for this boy and nothing has happened. And so their question was, now why couldn't we cast that demon out? Which I think is a very reasonable question. You know, why, hey, why, why couldn't we do that? And the answer, the response that Jesus gives the disciples is very interesting. It's also very interesting that uh, I use the NIV a lot. I like the way the NIV reads. It's easy for people to grasp a hold of. But I'll tell you, if all you ever read is the NIV, you wouldn't catch In the NIV, this incredibly important response that Jesus gives his disciples. Here's what I mean. Um, I want to read Matthew 17, 19, 19 through 21. First from the NIV. It says, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, the problem there in the NIV is it just stops. It goes from verse 20 to 22. There's no verse 21. There's a little footnote that takes you down to the bottom and explains things, but uh, It's important that a lot of times you cross-reference things. Out of the New King James Version, uh, it doesn't leave out this very, very important response. It's actually the answer to the disciples' question, why weren't we able to do this? Because it says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. It's pretty important response there. So you have it in black and white, directly from the Word of God, that sometimes your prayer alone may not cut it. I can't tell you why that is. I can give you the, why I think that is. And that is, personally, I think sometimes God just wants to know that we really mean business. That we're going to set some time aside, and, and we're not just you know offering up some uh, Easy peasy prayer, and then because we want to hurry and get back to doing what we really want to be doing. I think sometimes he wants to see us kind of dig our heels in and, and get to business. So this morning, I want to try to answer. Ansel. I'm talking as bad as I did last week. I want to answer some questions about Jeezy. <laughs> if you weren't here last week, you don't even get that. But anyway. <laughs> I'm going to answer some questions that people have a lot of times about fasting, like why do we fast, how do we fast, what does fasting do, and I want to give us some practical aspects about fasting, but before I get into my main message, I've asked our uh, director of our prayer team, John Owens, where you at, John? Oh, right there you are, yeah to come up, and I wanted him to just share, uh, as the director of our prayer team, just to share some of his thoughts on prayer and fasting. Let's welcome John this morning. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Praise God. Let's just pray before we start here. (laughs) Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to, to open this word to each of us, Father. Give us revelation of your word, and Father, plant it deep in our hearts that we can bear they could bear fruit in our lives father and in our families and in our nation in jesus name amen amen you know fasting should be a part of our lifestyle it should be a regular part of our lives this isn't just something rare and just every you know forever you know every now and then you do it um matthew 6:16 6, jesus said when you fast don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do to show men that you're fasting he said All the reward they're going to get, that's it. They got it. He went on to say, when you fast, um, do it not for the glory of others, but that you might receive your reward from God. You're doing it for him. You're doing it for your relationship with him. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I keep my flesh under, lest after preaching to all of you, I myself should be a castaway. The man who wrote half the books of the New Testament was concerned that his uncontrolled flesh could destroy his ministry and any reward he might have coming from the Lord. He wanted to win the race, and he knew his flesh could get in the way of that happening. One of the most effective ways to keep our flesh under and under the control of our spirit man is through fasting and prayer. When I, when I finally surrendered my life to the Lord, uh, I was 26 years old. I'd been an alcoholic at that point for probably better than 10 years. Um, I, about half the time, I was messed up with drugs as well. Uh, the Lord delivered me completely from drugs and alcohol. Sexual sin was a whole different matter. Um, and, I, and I was just thinking about that on the way up here. It was actually a, gener- a generational kind of thing or, or an ancestral sin. I first got exposed to pornography by finding a playboy that my dad had stashed when I was probably about eight or nine. I mean, the enemy is looking for a way to destroy us, you know, from the beginning. And, and that was one of the hooks that he put in me. The battle took time and it took fasting and prayer and meditating in the word of God. Fasting was an enormous part of that. I believe... I weighed about 130 pounds when I married my wife, Robin. Um, I was pretty thin. I'm not quite there now, but um, anyway. Um, but fasting is still a part of my life, and, and uh, it's important. Praise God. The Lord uh, would warn me a lot of times, it's time to fast before a temptation came. Uh, it's time to separate myself. It's time to separate yourself you know, from the world, from whatever's going on, and focus on him. Uh, But he'd warn me, and I would just know fast. And, you know, when the temptation hit, it wasn't even a temptation. It was like nothing. It it works. Something I learned back then that really helped me was a teaching based on chapter 58 of Isaiah, um, where the Spirit of God taught Isaiah how to pray the way that he directed and not the way religious hypocrites were fasting in that day. This is very similar to the, the way Jesus taught, and we'll look at this through the lens of the New Testament. When you go into a fast, do it in faith, declare what the Lord has promised you from the beginning of the fast, and and now let's look at what he's promised us. In in the beginning of this chapter, he's talking about what we're not supposed to be doing. He says, and he's warning, he's, he's telling Isaiah, shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion, and to the house of Jacob their sins. As a people, they had rejected the word of God and were living in total idolatry, Sexual sin and rebellion to God. Doesn't that sound a little like America today? Number, verse 2 says, for, a, for day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what's right and has not forsaken the commands of their God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. But they were total hypocrites. They thought all the evil that they were doing was just fine. I mean, does this sound like today? Jesus said there would be those who would say, Lord, have I not, have we not done miracles in your name? And he replied, depart from me. I never knew you. They had an outward form of worshiping God, but inside they were far from him. And, and then in verse 3, it says, why have we fasted, they say, and you, you, you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all your workers. Remember, these People were not sincere believers. They were idolaters. The the Lord is rebuking them for doing whatever they please and exploiting people when they were supposed to be humbling themselves and seeking God. Separate yourself as much as you possibly can from the world and what you would normally be doing. A fast is much more than just not eating. That's a diet. In verse 4. He says, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Fasting is not some kind of competition. If it ends up in a fight, you miss the whole point. We are not going to fast and twist God's arm to get him to feel sorry for us and answer our prayers. That's not how it works. Fasting does not change God. It changes us. By breaking the power of our flesh and allowing our spirit and the faith we already have, that mustard seed faith that's already in us to bring the changes that we desire. Number verse 5, it says, Is this the kind of fast that I've chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Uh, yes, it is a day to humble oneself before the Lord. that That's true and to repent and seek his face. But that's not all it's about. It's much more than that, as we're going to see from verse 6 on. The way that we are to fast and the kind of results the Lord desires us to have from fasting. Verse 6, is this not the kind of fast that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. This is talking about deliverance. Romans 6.16 says, whatever you yield yourself to, you will become a slave, whether to sin or to righteousness. Jesus said in Matthew 11.30, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You all know what a yoke is? It's that that big wooden thing they put on the neck of an ox to make him drag a cart or pull a a plow. Yeah, it's a heavy weight. It's a heavy burden. The devil wants us bound, so tied up we can't do anything for God. And Jesus says, come to me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy because he's carrying the weight. Praise God. In verse 7, he says, Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Like I mentioned, fasting is more than just not eating. We need to separate ourselves as much as possible from the world and focus on the Lord and his word. Also, to give of yourself to others what you are denying yourself. Maybe buy buy, buy someone else a meal. Especially giving of yourself to your family, your own flesh and blood, praise God in verse eight he says when then Then, listen to this, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. These are the results of the God kind of fast. You will no longer be walking in darkness, but you will be walking in the light of the gospel in the illumination and revelation of the Holy Spirit. Your healing and your restoration will spring forth speedily, it says in the King James. Your righteousness and the Amplified. Your righteousness will go before you, Jesus is our righteousness. He will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be behind you, protecting you. That's, isn't that the, the blessings of these fasts are incredible? In verse 9, he says, then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing finger and the malicious talk, in the new covenant, we know that the Lord always hears our prayers, and he answers. It's not a problem of God answering or hearing us as much as it's us not being in a place to believe and receive his answers or to hear him, just to hear him on the inside. The Holy Spirit's always talking to us if we'll just get quiet enough to listen. Praise God. Then he warns not to again put yourself back in bondage and oppression by blaming others, by pointing your fingers, you know what such and such did to me, and speaking evil, gossip, in verse 10, it says, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. This is being generous. This is blessing the poor and those in trouble, like we do with our, with our missions. When you're not eating, like I was saying before, maybe buy someone else a meal. Darkness often represents the evil, and, and this is saying... Giving of yourself on behalf of others will bring you blessing. In 11, in verse 11, it says the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of waters that never fail. Wells of water and rivers of living water represent the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you will live this way, you're sharing the love of God and His Holy Spirit will flow through you and bless many others, as we'll see in the next verse. Verse 12, it says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. This will bless not only you and your family. In the Amplified Translation, it says many generations. We're talking about your descendants being blessed through this. In verse verse 13, uh, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you will honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words. There's so much meat in here. This is the same Hebrew word in Proverbs 3.9 that says, where it says, honor, honor it, honor the, the Sabbath. Honor the Lord, it says in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits. The daytime hours on Sunday, it's like 16.8 hours, I think is what it comes to, is a tithe of your week. Praise God. However, in the new covenant also, we see that we should have total devotion to Jesus all the time. I mean, not just on Sundays, but to take a day, it's a special thing. It says when we are living and speaking as he directs, not with empty or idle and useless words. It says we are not to, not to speak idle words. In verse 14, it says, Then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's, that's powerful. The whole last half of this chapter is talking about walking in the love of the Lord. When you're walking in love, God is love. You're walking in God. This is powerful. What a delight to be living in joy, protection, and the blessing of the Lord. Praise God. Says so as we begin this fast, I encourage you. In fact, tonight, really, I mean, at the end of the day, it'd be the perfect time to start it. And then you've already begun it while you're sleeping. <laughs> so by the time we end, you'll have your full three days in there. Um, But begin your fast, I encourage you to begin it by praying these these verses in Isaiah 58, 6 through 14, and personalize it. Put your own name, put your family's name, put the people you're praying for, put the nation, Put all these things we're going to be praying for, make that a part of that, and then believe God for the answers, for the results from the very beginning that will come out of this time with the Lord. I'm expecting to see even greater liberty and freedom and deliverance and healing for individuals, for families, and for our nation and a wonderful moving of the Holy Spirit in our midst and in our nation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor.
1: Thank you, John. So this morning, I want to kind of... finish by covering a few of the common questions that people often have about fasting. First question that you hear a lot is, well, why in the first place? Why why should we fast? And the short answer is it allows us to really and completely focus on God, kind of rid ourselves of all the outside interference that we normally uh, face during a day. You know, fasting is a discipline that builds and focuses our hunger for God And uh, much more than it does our hunger for the things of this world, including food. Amen. (laughs) But I think that most Christians, for the most part, have a desire to have this intimate and devoted relationship with the Lord. But there's always a problem that gets in the way of that devotion to God. The desire And the hunger that we have for God is also shared with the desire and hunger we have for things of the world around us. And sometimes we have a difficult time balancing those things out. You know, in other words, sometimes it's easy for us to get ourselves so full of the things of this world, including full of food, full of entertainment, full of all of this stuff, That the world has to offer and it's easy to get full on all that stuff and then you have very little appetite for the things of God. You know, it's where we have a tend to nibble on a lot of different things. You know, we get our computers out. We're nibbling at that TV. TV is a big problem sometimes. Way too much nibbling on TV. Surfing the web. Maybe it's our jobs. Maybe it's shopping. For some people, it's exercising. Oh, praise God, I've overcome that. That's that's behind me. (laughs) I know it's hard for you to tell. But you know, it can be anything. It, It can be any of these things talking on the phone, sports, hobbies. You know, it can even be Christian work. It can even, you know, sometimes our, our, and we can put place our involvement in doing stuff, even, even for church or the kingdom, above really seeking God in our lives. Any of these things, if they go unchecked, begin to overwhelm us. And so, you know, even though a lot of these things I've mentioned are okay, they can also be not Okay. Surfing the web can certainly be not okay. You know, there's a lot of good things we can glean from Google and off of the web, but there's a lot of things that can absolutely destroy our lives. Porn is now the largest addiction in America. You know, we hear about drug addiction, alcoholism. Yeah, they're big. Porn is the biggest one now. But assuming that all of these things that we're constantly filling ourselves with kind of nibbling away at let's just assume none of them are in and of themselves sinful things when you add them all together they can leave us so full we just don't have appetite for the things of God because we have just filled ourselves on so much stuff so fasting is a dipl- discipline that helps us uh, recapture that that really true hunger for God Fasting provides an opportunity to allow us to completely focus on the things of God rather than all of the things that often tend to distract us. And there's a lot of things that distract us, isn't there? Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I just, uh, you know, I can pray without giving up eating. I can still be just as effective. But I want, let me give you a little scenario. You know, sometimes we, we, fasting has become fairly unpopular because people don't want to give any, every, anything up. You know, people, we've spoiled ourselves to wanting what we want, and that's how we want it. And so all of these things that we like to nibble on throughout the week, that's what we want to do. But I want to give you a scenario, and I want you to be completely honest with how you would react let's assume this scenario is real and true okay we're assuming it's never going to be but we're going to assume okay let's assume i go into your you're gone from your house and i go into your house and i spend a couple days hiding cash all throughout your house I have ten million dollars in hundred dollar bills, and I hide it everywhere. And I don't just mean you know in a drawer. I mean it's hidden. It's it's taped inside. It's all over the place. But you're going to have to hunt for it. Now let's just say I come to you then after having done this. Say, hey, I just want to know. I, I want you to know, I was at your house. I've hidden ten million dollars in hundred dollar bills all throughout your house. And here's the deal. For the next couple days, however much cash you're able to actually find, you get to keep. What would you do? Here's what I think a bunch of people do. You'd be hopping up out of that chair you're in right now. You'd be busting out these doors. It'd look like some mass exodus. Wouldn't even have time to close in prayer. (laughs) You'd get in your car. I mean, you would hightail it to your house like your car's on fire. And then you'd go in your house and for the next couple days, you would not stop to eat probably. That's, too, that's precious time lost. I can eat later. I'm very busy right now. <laughs> you wouldn't stop to turn on the TV. Nothing on TV would be important at that point. Amen? You wouldn't stop to listen to music. You wouldn't even stop to get on. Let's say you were going to stop and eat. You wouldn't stop to get on Facebook and post a picture of what you're about to eat. I mean, because everyone knows the entire human race is so completely interested in what you are about to eat. Oh, my. Look what he's about to eat. This is unbelievable. Alert the media. Am I being facetious? Yes, but everyone thinks we want to know what you're about to eat. Not really. I mean, glad for you. Don't really care. But there it is right in front of us. Hey, look what I'm about to eat. You wouldn't even stop to do that. Can you believe it? You would just be so into finding that cash. None of these things that normally consume your time, they wouldn't even, you wouldn't even give it a second thought because you'd be so focused on tearing that house apart due to our appetite for cold, hard cash. Does anybody want to disagree with me? That's exactly what we'd be doing, right? Fasting is kind of like that. You're giving up all of these things because you are realizing there's something more important. There's some, something I'm going to gain here that is not going to happen if I continue doing all of these things that I usually do. And so you stop and you focus a little bit. And, and it shows God that you've got some passion to know him more and to see his hand moving in your life. That's why we fast. Does that answer that question? And I'll, I'll throw this part in. Didn't, I didn't make it one of my main points. I'll just throw it in for free. Some people, A lot of people say, well, what exactly is fasting? You know, I've read some books on fasting, and, you know, in the book it said you can, oh, maybe fast television or fast uh, whatever other than food. Now, as your pastor, I'm just saying I don't agree with any of that. There is not, I mean, every biblical example that you see in God's word, if it says the word fasting, it means you're giving up food. You can give up TV and pray during that time, and that's exactly what you're doing. You've decided instead of watching TV, I'm going to pray. You can even give up eating, but if you don't spend time in prayer, you're not fasting, you're really just, just losing weight. The two have to go hand in hand. Prayer and fasting. And what is fasting? It means you're not eating physical food. You can take it or leave it, but that's your pastor's opinion, okay? I don't know why, don't come to me and say, oh, I've got a book and it says I can fast this, that, that. I don't care. That's just not what I think. Neither one of us will go to hell over thinking that, but I'm just telling you what I think, okay? So, Secondly, what does fasting do? Why do I need to do it? What does it do? Well, it it exposes our true heart to God, and even more than God, it exposes our true heart to us, to ourselves. I mean, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals things that sometimes tend to control us, and we may not even realize it, but it helps us, it helps uncover what's really going on down inside there. You know, some people, uh, some people will eat just to kind of feel better. Some people eat, uh, you know, if they're sad or wanting to forget about problems. But boy, you take the food away and all of that really comes to the surface pretty fast. And it can, ve- it can help reveal a lot, of, a lot of stuff about us. How much pain we have that we're trying to hold in. Maybe some pride, maybe some anger issues that we've got inside of us. It's hard telling what might come to the surface. But fasting expresses the real hunger that we have for God. James said this, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. That includes the food we eat. And all the things, it includes all the things that bless our lives. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. We can buy that, right? Makes sense. We've heard it many times. We agree with it. But fasting is a way to show God that having more of the giver is more important than having the gifts. In other words, food is good, the gifts are good, but God, you're even better. That's what we're telling God and showing God. So fasting is a great way to draw closer to God unless, as John mentioned, unless you're fasting for the wrong reason. If you're just fasting to impress everybody else, you're not going to get anything out of that. If you're just fasting to impress and receive the praise of man, take it from God's word, that's all you're going to get. It's all that's coming. You're going to miss out on all of the real blessing that God intends for us to have when we fast and pray and draw close to him. So, I've run, man, I've run into plenty of people down through the years, and it seems like they love to kind of let you know that they're fasting. Sometimes it can't be avoided, but sometimes it seems like they've just worked it into the conversation so we know. And I will tell you this. Again, I believe that the one thing that really seems to anger God is spiritual pride. Pride. It's woven all through God's word. I mean, from the beginning of time, it seems very apparent that if you really want to anger God and displease God, you just start acting like you're a lot more spiritual than you really are. I tell you, he didn't like that quality in the Pharisees, and he absolutely still doesn't like it in us. Jesus said in Matthew 6:16 6, he said whenever you fast do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men so if we're fasting just to receive the praise of man take it to the bank that's all you're going to get the third question you hear what should we fast about what exactly you know what issues in life are fast worthy You know, I got a splinter in my finger. Should I, you know, you think I should pray and fast? Well, if you don't have tweezers, maybe so. i made a short list of some practical issues that we all face in life that I think are worthy of spending some time in prayer and fasting. The first one is simply a desire for a deeper hunger for the things of God. If you feel you've kind of plateaued in your walk and you're not really gaining, or especially if you feel like you're losing a little ground, boy, that's a great time to stop and and spend a day or so fasting. Draw closer. Secondly, it's good to fast on behalf of someone who is in great need. We can pray and believe that something miraculous, the hand of God moves in the life of someone that we know is having a real issue. Thirdly, we can pray and fast for guidance. This is a big one that a lot of people skip over sometimes. Let me ask, how many of you have made decisions in your life, and after you made the decision, you thought, boy, I wish I would have spent some time with the Lord on this one. I've done it. I'll tell you, when you're about to make a choice, when you're in the process of making decisions that are going to have immediate impact on your life. That's a great time to spend in prayer and fasting for guidance. So you don't make those decisions that you think back, man, I missed the boat on that one. Fourth, for healing. For healing for yourself or for healing for someone else that you know needs a miraculous touch of God in their life. Number five, to intercede for our nation. How many of you think our nation could use a little bit of interceding? Oh, boy. And six, for help in the breaking of bondages in our lives. And so I'll talk about that a little bit more. But for the next three days, starting, as John said, after you're done eating dinner tonight, we, ought, we could start. But tomorrow, as we spend our time in prayer in fasting. I'm I'm asking all of you who are physically able to do this. I am aware that some people uh, take medications that require some food, and and I understand things like that, but I'm saying even still, perhaps you could fast a meal a day or work some time of uh, giving up something, a food intake as you spend some time in prayer if you are physically able, okay? So we're not trying to twist anybody's arm here. I know there are some uh, people with medical and physical reasons, but I think even in most of those cases, there is some amount of time that can be spent fasting and praying. And so we're going to begin this new year with, a, with these uh, pa- fasting and prayer over these three specific areas. Day one, which will be tomorrow, we're going to pray for families of CT Church. And you, you can include other families that don't belong to CT Church if you know someone in need. But uh, we're praying, this, this kind of falls in line where we're praying uh, on behalf of the needs of others. But include, certainly include your own family in this time. You know, we, I, I've stated before, there's a lot of problems in our nation. But I believe the biggest problem in our nation is the breakdown of the family structure. I mean, Satan absolutely knows that if he can destroy families, he destroys the nation. And we see it crumbling in front of us. And I'm telling you, every problem that we have in America can be traced back to the breakdown of the Christian family. Where we're getting away from one nation under God. The further we get away from that, the more we see our nation collapsing. So, pray fervently for the families of CT Church. As the family unit grows stronger, in effect, you're praying for the church because the healthier the families, the healthier the churches. They work hand in hand. Pray for those who are experiencing financial problems, health problems, uh, just family issues, distance from God issues. Pray that the leaders of homes will step up and accept that role as spiritual leader. Pray for marriages. Every church in America has couples that are on the brink of divorce. There's no church full of perfect marriages. And so pray for those that you may not know who they are, but they exist. And pray for marriages to see healing there are, there are those, pray for the children of homes, of broken homes or, uh, that are in the midst of family strife. Pray for the marriages, pray for children of those families. Basically, pray God's blessing and his hand of protection and guidance over the families of CT. That's, that's tomorrow. And I, I don't think we had this online. It's been so busy with all of our special services. We'll, we'll try to get online and get these listed just so... You can remember which is which. Day two, Tuesday, we're going to pray for the breaking down of personal barriers in our lives. We all have strength in our walk with Christ, and we all have our weaknesses. You know, we all have faced, there are temptations the world sends our way that a lot of them don't phase us. But there's a couple that, boy, we have to really be on guard. You have to fill in those blanks. But you know, even the Apostle Paul, who wrote more books of the Bible than anyone else, he said that every day he had to make sure, boy, he just beat that flesh down or it might just rise up and overwhelm him. Anybody here think you're a little more in tune with God than the Apostle Paul was? So that means we all, we don't get to the point where we've arrived. Because as soon as we get to that point where we think we arrived, we end up laying in a gutter somewhere. Physically or theoretically. It's a bad place to get into. None of us ever arrive. We have to, man, we have to stay on our toes to ward off those areas and strengthen those areas of weakness that the devil knows, well, I can't get him here, but boy, I've had some success right here, so I'm going to target that. You fill in that blank wherever it is. Pray and fast over those things in your life that cause you to stumble. Things that tend to draw you away from God rather than closer to God. And some of those things, may, like I said, may not be mean, horrible, sinful things, but there's a lot of things that if we give it enough time, they draw us away from God. They don't draw us closer to God. Pray that you overcome those areas of your life, that he gives you strength and a desire to turn from any of those things that hinder your walk with him, whatever it is. Day three, we're going to pray for our nation. We all agreed our nation could use some prayer and fasting. It could use a whole lot of interceding, right? So on Wednesday, we're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray against every force that is taking us away from being one nation under God. There are so many forces in our nation that are just literally destroying us from the inside out. We need to pray for our government officials, whether you like them or not. As a matter of fact, I said in the first service, uh, the more you dislike some of our elected leaders, the more you need to be praying for them. Not just complaining and moaning and bad-mouthing them, calling them this and that, and praying for the ones you like. Hey, we need to spend some time praying for these ones that, are, we, that we feel are, are causing more destruction than helping. They're the one. They really need some prayer, amen. So we pray for the ones that we like and the ones that we're not so crazy about. We don't want, They're making decisions we don't like. Boy, all the more reason to pray for them. Pray for uh, government officials, beginning with our city officials, beginning with state level and national level, and of course, pray for our president who is under attack every day. Whether you like him or not, pray for him. And I'm just going to throw in my own little two cents. This is not political. I'm not making a political statement. I'm merely making a observance of human character. Our president is no choir boy. Hasn't been in the past, and I don't know that he is. Now, I'm not making that statement. I will say it's sure it seems it is apparent to me God is using him in ways that our past few presidents, have not been used. I'm saying that. You can agree with me or not. I don't know that our president has a personal relationship with the Lord, but I am pretty sure by observing him that it is evident in his life that he knows what a relationship with God is supposed to look like. And I believe he is evident. he, He knows what a nation under God is supposed to look like. And we just need to pray for him and that God continue to use him. Pray for these elections that are going to be taking place in 2020. The elections this year are going to be world changers if certain things happen. You know, pray and fast. I'm not going to say you pray for this guy or you pray for that guy. Pray that God's will be done. And whatever happens, I could live with that. Let's just pray that God's will is done. Now, in order for you to have a part in that, you need to get yourself out and vote. Not say, oh, man, I forgot to go vote. And then you sit around and complain for the next four years of how terrible things are. I think we should all, when everyone starts, anyone starts complaining about what's going on in the government, the first thing we say, did you go vote in the last election? And if they say no, it's say, I don't have time for this. Got other things to do. You don't have to be a jerk about it. but You know, if we're going to complain about things and we had an opportunity to make things better, don't you think we should be a part of that? 2020, pray for God's will to be done. Pray for the defense of our nation from enemies abroad. Pray for the safety and God's hand to favor on all of our military men and women. Pray that the military leaders as we go into this new decade will have God's direction and favor on their lives and on the decisions that they make. Let's pray for our nation this Wednesday. Amen? And finally, on Wednesday evening, we're all going to come together in the Family Life Center and we're going to celebrate God's power and his faithfulness and his answer to prayers. And and we'll kind of ease back into our normal intake of food with some good old soup. No pizza, no fried chicken. You can eat it, but I'm just telling you, you're probably going to be sorry you did that. That's all I'll say. Soup's the perfect way to ease back in. But I think it's going to be a great time of fellowship. And more importantly, I think we're going to have some incredible testimonies of how God spoke into and moved in people's lives over their time of prayer and fasting. Amen?
0: You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.